short rest with Fonzie and Carlo. Okay. All right. Great. So, hi, Carlo. Hey, Fonzie. What's up? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's up? It's been it's been a week. Yeah. It's been a week, and a lot of interesting stuff has happened within the week. Um, on yeah, my end, here at it. the south side <laughs> of the Philippines. Um, uh, once again, if you didn't know, <laughs> my name is Fonzie and I'm from Davao City. And I also enjoy uh, dungeon mastering and coaching uh, on my on my professional time. Yeah, how about you, Carlo? Can you introduce yourself very quickly for our audience? All right. For those that um, don't know me, I'm Carlo Angelo Gonzalez. I am um, a digital marketing production manager in financial digital marketing. Um, that's basically what I do during uh, weekdays for the first um, 16 hours of the day. And then the remaining hours, I just uh, play computer games <laughs> and Congrats. talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I was going to say, like, congratulations on your new rig, my friend. I, yes. I heard that you, Thank you just got your new computer. So are you yeah. all set with your new games now? What are you looking to play this week? I am looking to play, (laughs) strangely enough, I want to play some Dungeons & Dragons because all of this, all of these tech stuff, I'm still getting to learn them, Uh, the the various parts of the PC. uh, Yeah, that's, um, it's been been a rough week trying to figure out how this thing works, but it works so far. I am looking forward to playing some video games and recording some of them up in my channel, but other than that, Nothing. Um, that's. I, I just want to look for. I just want to play some video, game, some Dungeons and Dragons, rather. <laughs> yeah. How about you, man? What? Uh, how's the how's, how's the week been? Let's let's um let's start um rolling for hit points. For rolling for hit points yeah. as we start our mm-hmm. short rest. <laughs> yeah. Um. So sure. Uh. Well, this week has been um interesting to say the least. Professionally, um, it has been a transition for me. Uh, for my other, you know, for my other stint as a, like, I I am a hired coach by a uh, coaching company based in California, and they assigned me a new role, so I just started new, uh, you know, transitioning with that new role this week. So there has been a lot of relearning and uh, a lot of adjustments this week for me professionally. Um, and yeah, uh, all the other podcasts that I've been doing have been uh, going on really well, uh, as well as you know uh, helping out a couple of friends start their own podcast. Uh, I didn't know nice. if I told you this, Carlo, but uh, uh, some friends uh, of mine that you know, Harpreet Rishi, is also starting a podcast of oh, his nice. own. Yeah. <laughs> so you I was give them I, a shout out. <laughs> yeah. Now when once he gets his things started, I, I'm helping him out through the process of, you know, from sorting out the hardware required for a podcast, as well as getting all the logistics uh, logistics in and all the software that he needs to invest in and all those stuff. So it's a, it has been a very fruitful um, two weeks for me, I would say. And yeah, in terms mm-hmm. of games, yeah, uh, I've been playing a lot of the same uh, Elder Scrolls Online and I've been catching up on my Animal Crossing um, island. <laughs> Because that oh. has been kind of neglected for the past few uh, weeks, I would say. So poor them. And I must have a, an amazing amount of weeds 
grown all throughout the island now that needs my attention. So that's how about Animal it. Crossing works. Wow. <laughs> well, like it, Tamagotchi. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a real time. Well, uh, when I say real time, the time is based on your clock on the system. So if it's 1 p.m. in your real time, you know, real life time, it's 1 p.m. on the uh, on the game. So it's not like uh-huh. I, I think you've played Stardew Valley before. I no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't oh, played okay. it before. It's kind of that. It's kind of like that, only on a on a better engine and a much more realistic. When I when I say realistic, um, <laughs> I, I say that loosely. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot more. A lot of its uh, mechanics are based on real time, which is a lot. Interest, which is interesting to say the least, because certain uh, like you would have like stores in the island that you would have right, and they would open at um, nine a.m. in the morning and close at nine p.m. at night. So you have to get all your uh, affairs or transactions uh, based on the timeline. So it's it's just really interesting. Oh, it's- really cool i mean i i don't own a switch so like i'm not much of a console person i've only play, played through my friends whenever i borrow their consoles and yeah uh, that man i wish i had one now i hear cro- crossings a little you know, like it's a little bit it takes less commitment compared to other um games of the same you know of the same caliber like you could leave it for uh, you could play it for a few hours and then you know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But it's a lot of the different games offer different, you know, different levels of. Well, let's just say that commitment also uh, shows up in the game, and yeah, I, I like like other games also. Like the more hours you put into it, it shows. So that's mm-hmm. all I can say. Even with Dungeons and Dragons, like the more hours you take for prep time or more hours you spend on you know researching your spells and stuff gives you a much more ad- well broader advantage in the, uh, against the uh, the others mm, all right <laughs> yeah okay so yeah, talking about I'll... yeah talking about mm-hmm. the dungeon and dungeons and dragons game there has been um, some history checks that we need to make my friend about certain um, updates of previous adventures that have just recently come out based on the publications of Wizards. They have mm-hmm. just come out with a revamped <laughs> pun in, and uh, pun, <laughs> pun is definitely there. Uh, the Curse likely. of Strahd adventure, yeah. So it's the Curse of Strahd. So Strahd is back with um, a lot of new interesting uh, items with the revamped version of the game. Um, there okay. have been, based on reports, there have been updates and a few adjustments and optimizations and corrections given to the game. Not to spoil anything, but let's just say that they touched it up a little bit to make it much more updated based on current trends and current meta. Which is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was still the same old uh, Strad, um, Iki, Strad uh, von Sarovich. Yeah, <laughs> yes, the Strad um, touch, you would say. And yeah. it has been a very interesting few. You know, uh, as I was, I was actually going through the adventure of Strad because personally, I haven't played Strad before. I haven't played yep. the Curse of Strad, but I was looking to uh, run it 
in the future. So I was reading more into the adventure and researching what Strahd is all about. And it's there's just something about that, the eeriness of the game that kind of like inspires this, um, the fan, the vampire fan in me. So I kind of like that mystery, that uh, that the shroud, that that a horror that is kind of circulates the adventure. How about you, Garlic? Have you played Strad before? I've played a little bit of Strad, and this was uh, tier in tier one. Um, sadly, my and this was my first bard too. My first spellcaster character died. <laughs> <laughs> in oh. in in game, I forgot what that module was called. But yeah, I I, I died and I and I never went into Barovia again. <laughs> That's unfortunate. So yeah, I well maybe we can maybe we can have a game with our friends for it. But yeah, um, it it's definitely got this whole um, goth and dead vibe all over it and. Yeah, speaking of vampires too, who do you think would play a good Strad von Zarovich? Like in a movie, you would. Yeah, in a movie, bro. Well, yeah, I've, 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 like, I'm browsing through my memory of vamp of good vampires who would play a good vampire. I think we talked about this before, but you know, off off recording. But mm-hmm. um, I believe I said an interesting character who'd play Strad would be Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, ma- you did ma- mention this. Yeah, mainly just because Keanu offers um, a unique uh, characteristic or trait to Strahd mm-hmm. that I'd like to see. Um, just to, not to give you any spoilers of how I intend to uh, create or uh, give life to Strahd is to give him that sense of humanity okay. and that vulnerability. And I feel like oh, yeah. is very natural for Keanu to have, even as John Wick, you know, how he would mm. be stone cold in, you know, uh, killing people as if, yeah. as if he was like changing a diaper or something like that. But there he was, was he, he was a machine. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the kind of, but in the same way that you still see him as this very vulnerable and relatable person. Uh, which is something that I would uh, like to see as Strad. Well, uh, at least what I my players would like to, what I wish my players would see in Strad. Um, not just see him as a monster oh. that you would save all your level three, level four smites to when you crit, but someone <laughs> you can, you know, someone yeah. you can ultimately um, relate to somehow or connect yeah. with. Or be sympathetic with. That's actually Absolutely. a good concept that we can explore in one of our games when we run them. Like, Absolutely. In the past, I haven't felt any uh, shred of, how should I say this, sympathy for any of the enemies that we've faced, at least for BBEGs, you know, the big bosses of each module or of each, each campaign. Um, I guess I don't know. We we should try that out. <laughs> like this guy killed a lot of people, but he's doing it for a purpose, right? So, yeah, um, might be good. Might be a good. Might, might be a good uh, place to, or might be a good um, mechanic to explore. I'm not sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it just depends on uh, the type of story that you're running. Of course, there are like black and white situations where you would absolutely 
create or um, build up your BBEG as someone who does not really possess all those relatable human compassionate traits. Um, For me, it's just, it's just much more um, interesting for me to play since it, you know, uh, uh, since I mentioned this like a few episodes ago, I think like I really enjoy uh, role playing. So I really also enjoy, and one way of doing that is attaching layers to the characters and giving layers to them and giving them, you know, that, level of humanity underneath the evil that we know of but do how do we really know a person right like they're more than what they do they're more than what they uh there's there's a there's a somewhat like a method behind the madness yeah different character motivations or go ahead and of course like you also feed into the players like if they don't see that same sympathy, like why waste all your effort, right? But if, if the other, if you're like fishing them, if you're giving them little clues or little tidbits of uh, a monster's like humanity and they bite, you know, and that's when I feel like that's when you can explore as a dungeon master. That's when you can explore uh, certain levels to it. And if only like, you know, your players open doors, that's when you can explore a new room, right? But if they don't, yeah. like if they just see the dragon as a fucking dragon, then okay, it's, it's a dragon. <laughs> it's, we must kill it because it threatens the nearby village. Absolutely, <laughs> like a, a red yeah. dragon, right? Like we've we, we've we've heard uh, so many players or DMs before, like say like a red dragon is just evil. So there's yeah. there's no going around that. But is it though? <laughs> this is actually a good topic. Um, uh, new um, alignments, uh, <laughs> but I think I, I think we can we can explore that on a, 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 a at a later time. Like absolutely, when we say when we say chaotic evil, these are these like these um, entities are uh, are moral or have an affinity to be. Um, less concerned about the loss and they just do whatever they want and these deeds that they do are aligned with evil things so killing murder stealing hoarding etc anything that is not good they'll do and they'll do it without with reckless abandon so um, what what makes them do that is it like according to alignment it, it talks about, uh, um, according to alignment, this is most likely what they're going to do. Was right. it because of how they're raised or was it because... Childhood. It, it's, their, it's their nature, right? So, for, mm-hmm. so, so, so it kind of, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a good thing to talk about when it comes to, and it's a good mechanism when it comes to creating monsters. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of I, monsters, I, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to introduce one monster from the Strahd um, game that would be okay. interesting to play if you wouldn't mm. mind, Garlo. Um, sure, so, go ahead. Uh, as we roll our what was it a nature check? <laughs> uh, it was an it is a nature check, yeah. All, all right, so, so let's roll a nature check to see what this monster is about. First on, just to give you a hint, it is an undead monster. Uh, uh-huh. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> and it, it's called and it's called like a, a Strad zombie. Mm-hmm. That's its name, like a Strahd zombie. In your tier one uh, adventure, did you ever do you remember meeting a Strahd zombie? 
I remember meeting a zomb lots of zombies, but not not entirely a strad zombie. Yeah, like I well, died from wolves. <laughs> well, yeah, we can talk about wolves, uh, but um, this zombie in particular has some very interesting mechanics in terms of uh, how it can interact in combat mm-hmm. uh, because it has well, of course, like this. The stats are normal. You know, it has a pretty high hit point. Its CR rating is one, so you would expect it to come out in tier one or some tier two capacity games. But um, it does have a trait called loadsome limbs. So okay. Whenever the whenever the Strahd zombie takes at least five bludgeoning or slashing damage at one time, so the DM has to roll a d20 to determine what else happens to it. So that's interesting, right? Whenever whenever you hit it for at least five bludgeoning damage, something happens. So there's if, an additional <laughs> roll. Right. So if you roll a, a D20 from one to eight, one leg is severed from the zombie if it has any legs left. Okay. From nine to sixteen, one arm is severed from the zombie if it has any arms left. And seventeen and mm-hmm. seventeen to twenty, the zombie is decapitated. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So if the zombie is reduced one time. Yeah, if the zombie is reduced to zero hit points, all parts of it die. That's interesting. So until then, a severed part mm-hmm. of a, until then, this interest this is interesting. A severed part acts on the zombie's initiative and has its own action <laughs> and movement. So a severed what? part has an AC of eight. So any damage it takes is subs- is subtracted uh, subtracted from the zombie's hit points. So that's really interesting, right? Oh so more, gosh, that's the more cool. damage that you do to it, the more enemies you have. But it has a yeah. unified hit point pool, so that's fine. But it can be problematic, especially if somebody is unconscious. Oh God, you're right. Now that I think about it, you could be so easily flanked by that thing. Imagine a level one wizard or, or, or a, yeah, a level one wizard would, yeah, the wizard would loathe that. <laughs> Not with a wizard of 24 AC. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, a level one wizard, 24 AC. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. So that's a particularly interesting encounter if you would imagine, like, I would imagine, like, running it in roll 20 would be a nightmare. But maybe like over the table um, games would much you know would be a lot more um, interesting to say. Ha, that. Fun. Like where does the where does the arm go behind me? Five feet in front of me by my side. Like, imagine in real life you're fighting something like that, and it's it's part still moves move toward you, right? So. It's scary. Uh, you know, thing uh, thing from uh, Adam's, Adam's family. family. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine just the the arm, the zombie arm doing that. It's much faster when it's decapitated and it scratches at it. It would be really scary. Scary and very frustrating as well. Like uh, if you didn't have, let's say, if you didn't have like AOE uh, damage with you, and all of you, all of you have like single. Uh, you know, all of you were like paladins and stuff, and you didn't have AOE. This would be a problem. 
Um, yeah, I mean, and you're at level one. Like, what spells do you have, or what? Um, but I mean, you have access to some of these spells. Probably a good one would be um, that I forgot what that spell is. The one where you need to make a Constitution save. I think it's Thunder Wave. Yeah. Um, that's one good way of getting rid of that. Pero, but other than that, if yeah, you're that's a that's a tough thing to um, come across. Imagine fighting but, five of these. <laughs> but to be fair, one. yeah, it ha- to be fair, you know, at tier one, you would only get one attack, right? One attack mm-hmm. per per turn, unless it's like an AOE or unless you have like a your dual wieldy or stuff like that, right? Um, and like for a uh, like burning hands is a level one spell, is oh, very yeah. interesting. Because if you can gather, like for example, there are three parts of a zombie there, like in mm. that can be hit by burning hands, right? And if you cast burning hands in a cone, that each of these three parts would be damaged. And I believe, like I, I'm not sure, like how they rule this, but each, like the damage would stack, like the damage that the oh, arm, really? the leg, and the main zombie would stack, like based on how I'm reading it. I could be wrong, of course, but. Uh, I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> but um, it would be interesting for something like this. Like, for example, if um, like there would be like a, an other like uh, AOE spells that would do significant damage around. Like Thunderclap or Thunderwave is Thunder, definitely yeah. interesting. Um, burning Hands, uh, Cone of Cold, and stuff like that would definitely oh. do a lot of damage. Or even, you know, our favorite cleric's um, spell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, turn undead. <laughs> yeah. uh, that works. That, that, the, yeah. Or spirit guardians. Also oh, yeah. Spirit. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure enough for you guys to survive an encounter with these fuckers. Uh, <laughs> Man, I, I, wish I, I wish I'd played uh, Chris of Stradmore. Yeah, interesting. Like talking about monsters and creating your own and creating interesting monsters like this, Carlo. Have you have any experience with um, creating your own monster? I have had a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, like these features and these abilities by these monsters are uh, look really, really dope. And I wish I had thought of it when we when I ran that homebrew game that we we had back then. I remember um, that game. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was the one where you and Lester were particularly involved in. Uh, EJ was there too. He was supporting. I've made a lot of homebrew monsters. I prepared it up to tier four. Interesting. The big bad. Yeah, and going back to our discussion on sympathetic characters. <laughs> Uh, the big bad was supposed to be that way. He has a story of his own. Uh, well, I'd like to think that every, I know, every, everything that we meet, whether it's out for our blood or if it's someone we just need to talk to, there's a story behind every one of them. And right now, uh, we're, we're going to talk about, um, the, the, we're going to talk about homebrewed monsters. <laughs> Right. I, I I've made a lot of those. Um, can you talk I, about? I, yeah, can you talk about your favorite one though? Your favorite ones that you created over you know over the years. 
Or what are the years? The, the, my favorite one that I've created, and I'm pulling up my, um, I'm pulling up my, uh, my roll twenty because this was where I stored all their information. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, y- you built the monsters directly to roll twenty. Like, what was your creation process? Like, how would you do it? Uh, I built it. Uh, so there is this um, NPC creator, and I and I, I I work off of that. And I added all the stats created uh, that would, um, or uh, all the all the ability points according to how I envisioned this creature to be. So I'll give you one of um, uh, one example. And this one you you Lester and EJ have encountered, and this is actually the one that almost TPK'd you guys in that one night. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> were it not for your paladin's um, clutch, <laughs> epic gamer moves. <laughs> Yeah, so this one is the abomination. All right, so stat block wise, it has 19 strength, and you guys were at uh, tier two when you faced this. Uh, it has six dexterity, it has 18 constitution, three intelligence, six wisdom, and five charisma. So basically, an abomination is an abomination, or is an amalgamation of limbs, of muscles. Uh, sinew all um, patched together um, by some horrible undead magic. And just to give you a clear um, picture, I guess you could Google Abomination uh, Warcraft 3. That was my primary inspiration for this monster. Right. Okay. So one so one of the uh, one of the um what you call this one of its abilities include undead rot. So after being hit by a melee attack, the abomination releases a poisonous spray of undead filth. The attacker suffers 1d4 plus 2 necrotic damage. So there's no there's no save here. Once an attack hits, uh, it wounds you, you suffer necrotic damage. Unless you're uh, immune to it, right? Unless you're immune to it, like monks and um, if you're a paladin. Uh, one would be Meat Hook. So this is a ranged attack, plus six to hit. It has a range of 20 to 60 feet. Uh, and it can only target one. <laughs> There's only one, can only you hit one target. Uh, once you get hit, that, you get damage. Would that be an action? That him? is an action. All right. Yes, that is an action. Uh, the hit would be, uh, would damage you for 2d8 plus four piercing damage. And here's one special. So it's um, here's one special thing about the meat hook. Upon hit, the target creature must make a strength saving throw with a DC of 14. And on a failed save, the target creature is pulled towards the abomination. So you're pulled five feet towards the abomination. It you're not consumed by it like um, a bite attack from a kraken, but you know being close to this thing uh, kind of is very this. But it's so, not good to be close to this thing. Yeah, so to clarify, so you rolled to hit, right? So, so mm-hmm. you cast meat hook or you, you use your action to use your meat hook. You roll mm-hmm. to hit. If it hits, uh, the character has to make a strength saving throw or else get pulled uh, yes. towards the uh, abomination. Towards the abomination. But and within melee he, range. What if he saves though? What, what's, what, what's going to happen when he saves? You just suffer the damage. Uh, that just means that you're uh, you you you're strong enough to not get pulled in by the hook. You Although it's slapped hurts. by it, right? Yeah. Oh. 
yeah um and then the, there is a final um attack which is the cleaver so the um abomination holds this big ass cleaver roughly five feet in length and yeah it it hurts <laughs> it uh, it hits for around 2d6 plus four um well 2d6 plus four um sl- slashing damage so yeah. yeah let me yeah so it this is one of my favorite um ho- uh how should I say this? This is one of my favorite homebrew monsters, most because of, um, mostly because of how this, how, how you guys um, fought against it. Um, just so we can give you guys, we can give everyone a clear um, idea of how you guys encounter this thing. Um, you were up against four uh, observers. Um, I forgot what those uh be, um oh, what is that uh, yeah those beholders small uh, no. I oh, think yeah. those were sentinel beholders yeah you were up against four uh of those and they shoot out iris so basically what I had in plan for you was for you guys was to roll saving throws roll uh and at the same time try to kill these creatures and th- uh, these creatures, of course, was um, you're, you're being flanked by this one abomination that has a relatively high um, HP. Let me double check how high this. Yeah, that, was, that was my that was my follow up question. Like, what's the magic word in terms of like hit, hit dice? Yeah, this one I don't have any hit dice. It's strange. I should have it here. Wait, lang. Hold like on. How, how much HP did you give? I gave this around 135 because you were finishing arc one. Yeah, 135 or 150. Uh, or you were finishing chapter one of the story. Yeah, for BBEG, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't think that that would be a bad thing for a tier two BBEG. Yeah, mm-hmm. though you guys were just at the edge, though. <laughs> you're, you're not tier. You guys weren't tier two yet. Oh, what? oh yeah, you're right. We're tier one. <laughs> you were tier one and you... um. Yeah, I, 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 that was the time when I was like, when you rolled that clutch um, hit, uh, no, sorry, when I missed, I was so thankful because you didn't hit. However, mm-hmm. you did hit me and I was like, uh, you did hit the abomination. It was down by like, um, I think two uh, hit points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you destroyed it, I forgot this one other ability it had. Uh, under the explosion... <laughs> And that's wow. what killed you. Uh, until the explosion is, once the abomination uh, reaches zero hit points, it explode. Uh, it explo- explodes and deals three d six plus three necrotic damage in a twenty feet radius. That's so, ouchy. <laughs> yeah, you fell down, and literally the person or, or the player character who saved you was uh, EJ's uh, Kensei monk, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, I think. It involved a lot of luck, but I was I don't, I was I was um I, I, from then on I experienced how how creating monsters can be fun, but I also experienced how maybe 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 the the encounter it maybe the monster itself wasn't uh, or was too strong or maybe it's how I adjusted the encounter. So yeah, um, that's one of that's my favorite. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I I don't want to go into the my favorite creation as in 
because that's still that story anyway. That's <laughs> that story is specific. Once we get around to talking about our uh, or once we get around to playing with that campaign again. Right. But yeah, that's definitely one of my um, that's definitely one of my favorites. Absolutely, like that was memorable for me just because of the visual of the abomination, and mm-hmm. it helps like to have um, components that are similar to you. Uh, it's good to have elements in your monsters that are familiar to players because Meat mm-hmm. Hook is something from Dota, uh, from Pudge, right? And it's mm-hmm. something yes. that is very familiar to me. And it's easy for it was very very easy for me as a player to relate to what was happening because th- that strong visual uh, representation was so familiar. So um, a lot of the times when you encounter like monsters without, especially when you're playing just with you know with um, uh, theater of the mind, you don't really have the benefit of you know producing pictures or imagining or creating this uniform picture of what a monster would look like which is i would say the advantage of playing like on platforms like roll 20 or yeah. foundry virtual tabletops so things like that you can really give a very strong or very clear picture as to what it looks like so one of the things that uh, i have trouble with personally is just creating that picture in my mind because i'm not a visual person so i need i need help <laughs> with that so it really helps with you know the immersion and just seeing that the monster in front of us was really larger than life that was very uh intimidating in that sense really gave much more flavor into the dread of the situation uh, yeah. at that time which added more fun into the game uh, especially when we killed it. <laughs> oh yeah, you like when you after that encounter, you when you uh, when you slew that last um, sentinel beholder. I was really relieved that you guys got out of it, and I, I was looking forward to the others. But speaking of intimidation, um, sometimes uh, whenever whenever I like. Uh, whenever I whenever I make these uh, monsters, uh, I have I want I I want I, yeah I want you guys to feel that yeah these guy or, or these guys are dangerous. Like we need to step our game up. Uh, I I like you to get that feeling up. We're fighting against a boss, like or or at least a mini boss. <laughs> we we need we need to we need to bring our A game up. So there was this one. Um, that there was this one game where I set you guys up to fight um, some spiders or large giant spiders. In this mm-hmm. ca- in this particular case, it uh, you guys were going up against. Um, or I made a gargantuan spider, <laughs> but you guys were you guys were going up against um, this gargantuan spider, which I feel it should be here. It should be around here. Hold on. I think yeah, there's her name. Yeah, it's Sintana, and this was her. She had, she had eighty-five hit points. Okay. Yeah, Adiba. I started naming my. F- okay, I'm just gonna contain the rage once the story gets it. You'll you'll understand why. <laughs> so, uh, she's smaller than. Okay, yeah, sorry. She has. Uh, she is gigantuan in size. She has eighty-five hit points, but she has an armor class of eighteen. She has a speed of 60 feet and a climbing speed of 60 feet. 
chest bite. So uh, this is your uh, reg your regular uh, giant spider bite. Seven. Okay, that's a one d eight plus three piercing damage. And then there's an additional damage of 2d6 poison damage if it hits, right? There's oh. your spider climb. Well, you cli uh, the spider can climb difficult surface, uh, surfaces, upside down ceilings uh, without having to make an ability check. There's web sense. So while in contact with the web, the spider knows the exact location of any other creature in contact with the same web. And then there's web walkers. So there, uh, the spider ignores movement restrictions caused by the webbing. All right, so that that's it. That those are its special traits. One of the actions involve a bite, and finally, an acid web. All right, so this is basically the web attack that uh, giant spiders have, but with a twist. So you guys, uh, one upon hit, that's um, plus five to hit. It's it has a range of thirty feet, uh, and you'd suffer one d six damage. All right. Um, so it's your basic, it's your basic um, uh, web attack, but it, ha it has damage. And every time you spend uh, in that particular web, you suffer 1d6 acid damage. Whoa. So, and every time you touch that web, you suffer 1d6 acid damage. So if you attack it, you suffer 1d6 damage. If you stay there, you suffer 1d6 damage. And I was like, yeah, uh, um, I, I patterned the encounter. So you're not only fighting Sintana, you're fighting her entire brood. So there were like eight or uh, fifth, uh, eight or um, ten giant spiders and wolf spiders surrounding you guys at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you guys um, basically just <laughs> slaughtered them. Like, with, like it wasn't difficult. You guys, there were ever, there were fireballs thrown everywhere, and then one of the worst things that happened for me, as uh, someone who creates monsters like these, um, was having uh, Charles. I think yeah, shout out to Charles. Uh, hey, Charles. Uh, <laughs> having you uh, him cast grease on Sintana, Sintana failing that specific sa um, uh, saving throw, and she just fell on the ground prone. <laughs> oh. And once she fell on the ground prone, you guys had your way with the spider. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was looking forward to making this one of the most challenging um, uh, challenging games because not only do you have to, to um, not only did you have to encounter difficulty of movement, but you also had to suffer with yeah, okay, just being damaged every single time. <laughs> and you guys said, nope, breeze. And then it's down and then it... <laughs> so, yeah. So it's canon now that the weakness <laughs> of giant spiders are grease. Uh, That's uh, all you need. Oil. <laughs> yeah, just, just lubricate. <laughs> <laughs> lubricate yourself, uh, the surroundings. Your part, everyone around you, everyone, even <laughs> your dice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was just me. Yeah, like yeah. we 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 say we see a lot of like especially in prep of adventures and modules with interesting BBEGs. One of the main things that I really go f like when I purchase a mod or plan or plan or learn a mod. One of the first things that I do is go straight into the creatures and NPCs and check out like what 
interesting traits they would have and like and trying to see like which one would be the BBEG for the you know for the entire mod and one of the ways that um i guess the magic of dnd is for players to surprise the dms with creativity and and luck and sometimes just cheer um you know just sheer dumb luck for them <laughs> <laughs> And Those make the mo- the best games, by the way. <laughs> Just yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's fun, you know, to be in a situation like that. And you know, I've seen DMs, and I've DM'd also for for public games with heavily optimized characters. And you know, encounters are just a breeze for them. Encounters are formality, but they don't really have challenges in terms of that. They, um, one of the ways that I challenge, you know, I challenge the players is through, um, is hopefully through interesting, you know, interesting combat experiences. And sometimes it just doesn't happen just based on how, you know, uniquely powerful <laughs> they are or, you know, it, some spells or some saves are rolled in your favor that end up, you know, dictating the course of the battle. And, and yeah, so we have our bards and cl- uh, and paladins to thank for that. Well, mostly bards. <laughs> yeah, and you know there are there have been games that I've played under with DMs with really interesting, uh, interesting and challenging uh, play styles. Like they are very smart in terms of uh, planning out their uh, enemies. But it just turns out, like, for example, for one party, for we had a party uh, that had two monks against um, enemies, against two enemies. So these monks would just constantly stun the BBEGs. And for, <laughs> and, the, and the DM had zero actions for the entire encounter. <laughs> he just adjudicated. Oh, God. <laughs> He was just rolling for constitution saves. And that's it. Because we had two monks focused on stunning them. So it's, you know, it's just sometimes it just works out that way. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. why monks are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can understand. I, I can understand that. Like, there, uh, I, can, yeah. I can just imagine a lot of DMs like, okay, I have maps prepared when these guys go into this, they'll go into that. And I, en- I encounter that a lot with you guys. And yeah, DM, I, summer, <laughs> I, I conjure woodland beings. What do you conjure? <laughs> 20 wolves. <laughs> Holy shit. And then roll 20 crashes. <laughs> right? It's just crazy. <laughs> So yeah. well, just some sometimes it's just the game is just that way. Sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's not so challenging, but it's funny though. It's yeah. really funny when <laughs> things turn out that way. Like after the game, the one I was talking about, like the the, the creature had zero action. After the game, uh-huh. we were laughing our asses <laughs> off. And our DM was just scratching his head. <laughs> And he was just saying, that, please let me do this just one thing. I just really have this awesome thing planned out. Nope. No, DM. I'm sorry. That was a fun module, but yep. we won't stunning allow it. Strike. It's a stunning strike. 
this is why you should only have one monk per party. <laughs> and also that and, and mm-hmm. that really that really pays off. Like uh, like for example, if you have mods that have really few encounters, uh, like that, like all all of us had our resources. Like I I had all my spell slots. Oh, I, wow. I played a I played a wizard. So if you have characters that have their resources by the time the BBEG happens, so just expect that it's just going to be a walkthrough for them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. one of the ways that we can make it challenging is for them to expend their resources. So when they yeah. start to, uh, can we short rest? No, you can't. <laughs> Fuckers, you can certainly try and then <laughs> try. And you just roll an encounter behind your DM screen and just say, whoops, I rolled the fantasy number that I made up in my head. For some reason, the, um, some uh, some that rogue be- villager just used the <laughs> spell of Tarask summoning. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes the game fun, right? Like this, that's- these moments of randomness and things not going your way. That's- As a DM, I've learned how to just go with it and like learn how to appreciate that these players are going to do their best to make a really so I mean like a story to talk about eventually. I think I talked about this in our first episode, <laughs> right? So we were up against a BBEG and then we ended up just being friends with it. We 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 defeated it through the power of friendship and a really high charisma role. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> happens happens to me. Uh, like I allow that. Like I allow that with you know excellent role play. Um, uh-huh. I make I adjust encounters based on role play. Um, so if I don't like what you say, I might make it a bit harder <laughs> on the fly. Um, like I I heard like one player say like while they were discussing how to defeat my monster, right? And, le- yeah. and he just said, "Let's just hide behind the wall and just cheese it." Oh, <laughs> Dark Souls! <laughs> you want to cheese me, huh? This is this isn't some video game. I can adjust things, right? Oh I can, yeah, I can. So I I made it harder for them. They eventually like I'm not that kind of DM that would punish players and kill them, right? I would just make it harder. So, so one, so, of, the, uh, one of the ways you can do that point. is yeah. just you know just hit dice and. Uh, adding more HP to your monster, or having like a like some traps that are not even in the map but are there. <laughs> oh no! You suddenly you fell st- in a hole. You step there, <laughs> and you feel that the ground beneath you starts to shift. Make a dexterity saving or, or you hear that you hear a uh, an audible click sound. <laughs> That's dreaded. yeah. So it, it's just it's just for me like it's just being more. If the players seem to be having a too much of a good time abusing uh, their power, their power. <laughs> so make it more interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. you can do that. You can challenge is, your players. I, I'd like to. I, I'd like to. Um, yeah, I'll me- yeah, I'll mention someone, but I feel like. Um, uh, I, I not someone. Sorry, I'd like to mention the specific case where you were. Um, uh, we had the warlock. <laughs> not gonna say. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, mention some names, but we had the warlock, and he was really good. He was like he is DPS. He he is 
most of the time MVP he always gets the last hit on these creatures. Like one good way that we can neutralize that is to, you know, just have the how have his patron deity take away his powers from him. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's one way of making things a little more interesting. Yeah. Or just have just have a really chaotic neutral uh, patron deity mess around with him. What if I took away his powers for one day? Or like one interesting one interesting uh, tip my other DMs told me is that uh, once you look at the characters that you're facing or the players and what their characters are and what their skills are, what their classes are, and so on and so forth, right? You can adjust yeah. the mod accordingly to make it more challenging. So yeah. what that means is as long as it makes sense to the universe, right? So what that what that means is that you don't have to stick with the monsters as stated in the mod. You can introduce uh, different elements into the mod to make it more challenging. So let's say you have uh, a group of paladins, then you can just adjust the mod from having you know one or two enemies into like fifteen enemies at once with you know that is still balanced, but it's much more challenging because paladins yeah. don't have like AOEs. So those are just the things that we can do to be yeah. able to adjust the difficulty of the mod and that's well within you know that's well within the the rights of the dm to be able to do it's just difficult to be able to do that when especially if it's just a prepared mod like roll 20 you have that ready and mm-hmm. you know it's just difficult but that's definitely something that you know especially when you're running like a like a long-term campaign or a campaign based on, you know, uh, multiple sessions. That's definitely something that you can do. But also there are times that I draw the line in terms of like, especially when it's like the first time I run a mod, I always stick to what's written because it's just the first time that I, I do it. So I am very, I'm very, I wanted to test the balance of the mod. Right. And there are some mods that mm-hmm. are significantly harder for certain party compositions, but are a lot more difficult for, you know, other party con- composition. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, like I ran, I I like to run like White Blue Mountain, and I've run, I've ran it multiple times, mm-hmm. and I've seen how different certain party compositions um, relate and react to the events in the White Plume Mountain because I don't like to change much from the White Plume. Um, mm-hmm. All the monsters are essentially the same. They don't have... I just adjust certain things based on the level right, of the party just to make it more interesting. How many... I'm curious, Fonzie, how many times have you ran White Plume Mountain? Oh, uh, maybe f- six times. Oh my god! I only ran it two times. It's it. You're 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 becoming like. Uh, you remember that time we talked about how when people when adventurers want to go to Avernus, they they, they the 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 barkeep points to you. <laughs> you're yeah. becoming that. You're becoming that. I, well, um, I enjoy White Plume because it's easy. It's yeah, um, right? it's easy to run because it's just one map and it's interesting because the NPCs are interesting. Um, it's like Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> yep. It's a, yeah. it's a it's one of my favorite um like semi hardcover. Like it, it is a hardcover. 
Yeah. Um, but it's one of my favorite things to run because, you know, I don't need much time to be able to prep for it. There isn't much, uh, there isn't much drama going around in terms of like role play. The role play happens within the group and not really outside. There's just really one interesting NPC that I have in one white loom uh, uh, that plays like a significant, you know, funny role to kind of like ease the tension of being inside a very scary volcano. <laughs> so that's just it. That's just it. So I like I, I I like to run mods. Like um, let that, that's just how I DM. Like for example, if I find a mod. I just run it multiple times until I more or less have a handle on it. Like I semi-memorize it already. And once I, I get that certain <laughs> level of comfort of being able to run it, you know, without that same, you know, jitterness that you would do the first time and all that hesitation and stuff and not knowing what to do. Once I feel like it's already really smooth and yeah, I can run it confidently. That's when I try to like learn another mod. So what other mods can I can I learn? Uh, nice. That's kind of like my process. Okay. Okay. I understand. That's cool, man. I wish I wish to be like that, like very systematic at least. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I mean, I mean, w- that's just strategy. The strategy works, you know, and yeah. just making your life easier by having a strategy around playing games or like managing your own life. You don't have to make your own, you know, life in terms of like prep much more difficult than, you know, it should be. There are ways for you to make it easier for you because it's also like an experience for you. Like prep is also an experience for the DM. It's part of the game. It's also part, you know, part of the process. So if you don't, if one DM, if I can't, you know, make a process that works for me, that is fun for me, that's rewarding for me, it would be very difficult to sustain. That's why I could run, like before I could run like two, three games a week because I had a system. And right now, Mm -hmm. because I'm not able to do that because I don't have time anymore, the same amount of free time that I used to have, you know, with all, you know, all these (laughs) uh, things that you have to do for, you know, to feed your family and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Like your process is very, uh, very interesting as well. Like um, based on the games that I've played under you, um, you, you enjoy very much uh, pop culture and taking elements from pop culture and introducing that to the game to make it more interesting. That's really, that's really admirable and that's fun for players to be able to to recognize mm. certain elements you know, uh, from different, yeah. you know, and that's really interesting to play under. Well, when, when, when I, whenever I, yeah, I guess I'll ground it into how I make the make monsters, like the things that ultimately you guys are go up against. I always make it a point that. Um, so, so I don't have to reinvent the wheel because there are a lot of monsters that are really. Um, already like, like here's how my process works right when it comes to the uh, monsters that you guys encounter i just take them off of the um dungeon sorry uh, off of the monster manual or uh, uh the guide to monsters and then i put in some additional um traits uh, i either swap or put in additional traits that more or less um 
that more or less complement the story. Right. So basically, I just adjust these um, hit. I just adjust the stats a bit so it's consistent with the physical structure and more importantly the lore. Now you'll notice uh, for my abomination, it's one of my favorite um, homebrewed monsters because it's 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 an embodiment of undead and and just like life. Or, or or unlife just made incarnate right? and all the chaos that come in between that that this is what this is my represent this is my representation of that particular um um the uh, mini boss that you guys fought and yeah so so that's that's that that's really about it it's it's really about delivering that kind of experience like the I, how should I say this? That that's how I create the monsters that I make, and that's how I want you guys to experience this particular monster. Right. That's um, a that's a great yeah. way of looking at things. And you mm-hmm. know, like if you guys, if the listeners out there, if you did have like your own homebrewed monsters, like what are they? Can if you can share them with us and share their stats and what quarters they have, that would be really fantastic. Yeah, we might use it for one of our games. <laughs> uh, yeah, or you know, it's just it. It also would be interesting, like how you draw or where you draw inspiration from, in terms yeah. of like getting your monsters and introducing them to players, and also like what your favorite reactions from your players would be if you introduced something really, really <laughs> scary like the abomination or really comedic like the spider. No offense, Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in terms of like expectations of you of having spent time really fleshing out this monster that you wanted to introduce to your players, like how what kind of experience is that for you? Like we do have our own experiences, yeah. but we'd be curious like to know what you think. Like if you had similar experiences or stuff like that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so as we're wrapping up now, um, we've really enjoyed um, talking about homebrewed monsters and monsters in general and adventures and DM dungeon mastering tips and stuff like that. So uh, it's been a pleasure reconnecting with you again, DM Carlo. Uh, and yes. Anything you're looking forward, you know, as we end our long, our short rest, anything that you're looking forward to this week? <laughs> Um, for this week, well, there's work. I'm I'm looking forward to work because of the new things, but I'm also looking forward to um, putting new content up for the channel and getting some new art up because um, our talented graphics designer, or you know, the person who made the <laughs> made our super awesome uh, um podcast cover uh we have a project that we're doing right now That's and awesome. hey That's if you stuff. if you <laughs> if you guys want to have a monster created just let us know and we'll work out the details anyway that's awesome. about it how about you Fonji? what's up uh, with you? Uh, yeah for this week uh for this week i am looking forward to learning a new platform that i'm trying to get my campaigns uh transported to it is called foundry uh virtual tabletop 
which is a similar platform to Roll20, only a different platform to Roll20. So I am trying my best to figure out and learn the this new tabletop and hope hoping that my future games will be hosted on that platform moving forward. Um, in terms of, like, I do have most of my games, if not, like, all of my online games are hosted on Roll20, but I just wanted to try something different. Maybe a different experience. I tried, you know, uh, I played under uh, a Foundry game already. I loved it. It was su- super smooth. The experience was super immersive. And it was um, what I've heard in terms of like DM prep, it was a lot easier. So I'm learning that now. It's still a difficult learning curve because it has a lot of quirks that you need to be familiar with as compared to like Rule 20, mm-hmm. which is more of more or less like a um uh a very uh, let's say user friendly experience uh but foundry has a lot you know, like a lot of elements that i need to learn to make the experience much more um nice rewarding foundry yeah I, i'll nice. i'll i'll look into running a game with you carlo and so just so just you would know like what it's like to play <laughs> under it Right. Nice. You know, yeah. And it might take me a little bit because I'm juggling a few things uh, with work and with I'm uh, with studies and stuff, and I'm learning a new some stuff. You know, online learning is a thing now. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, fine. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Like after the short rest, I hope you know. I hope. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm able to really get that same. You know, level of energy that I need to get through this. Yeah, right. man. I shall. Yeah, you need to give yourself some bardic inspiration. <laughs> that that I do need to focus on. Yeah, that I was mm-hmm. actually thinking about that, like how I would give myself a more of a break because I've been working my ass off for the past. Few yeah, months. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So thanks so much for hanging out, Carlo, and thanks so much for thank listening, for, guys. Uh, yeah. Thank you, DM Fonzi. Uh, for for gracing me with the bar, your bardic flair. <laughs> I'm holding on to my inspiration, but bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. A short rest with Fonzie and Carla.